Music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly, and welcome to the show. We've got a lot going on this week, welcoming Canadian-born but L.A.-based recording artist Ali X. We also discuss the return of most of the Spice Girls with our music editor Sharon Hyland, have a chat with dance pop artist Dion Todd about his latest release, and new music on the way from Def Leppard, Ariana Grande, and Jessie J. But first, on the line with us is singer-songwriter Ali X, who not only has had career success with songs like Catch, Paper Love, and Casanova, but who also played a huge part in co-writing songs on Troy Sivan's latest, very successful album, Bloom. Ali, welcome to The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, thank you, Kelly Alexander, for having me on The Kelly Alexander Show. I can't tell you, I am so stoked to have you on, because I've been trying to actually hunt you down for, like, several weeks. So I'm glad we finally... Oh, really? Oh, yeah, I was... Uh, it's been a while that I've wanted to have you on the show. And then, about, like, I guess, like, a month ago, I was like, okay, time to make this happen. So then I started my search and, and all that sort of stuff. And so I'm happy we, we were finally able to track you down and get you on, because, uh, first of all, I'm extremely proud of you as a Canadian. I think you have amazing music. Oh, thank you. And uh, I'm just so happy to know that you're doing well in Los Angeles and all that sort of good stuff. But before we start with with that, I did want to take you back um, to the beginnings, I guess. Did you always want to be like a singer-songwriter? Was that always in the cards for you? I don't think I wanted to be a songwriter necessarily when I was a kid. I really just wanted to sing. Um, But that said, I was writing songs from like the time I was... I must have been like four years old or something when I got my first little like Casio keyboard and and I wrote these really weird like emo songs <laughs> as a toddler <laughs> but um yeah no, i i got seriously into songwriting kind of later like when i was in college okay cool and did you uh because i think i read somewhere that you'd like you have piano behind you right so is that how you write with piano i used to um i did like classical piano growing up so i used to um always write at the piano but i actually find it kind of it gets in the way of 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 me kind of taking songs as far as they can go because I tend to play like the same chords and get the same kind of ideas. So I really like to write uh, to like loops, like bass loops or, or like guitar riffs or, or drum loops, um, usually. Oh, that's really cool. And do you write lyrics first, Ali? And then, or do you, do you need to listen to a beat? Do you need to listen to loop? And then you kind of get inspired. Like, how does that work for you? Uh, it's always different. Like if I, looked at all my songs most of them would have been melody first but there's definitely songs that were concepts first or or lyrics first as well um and then there's there's a lot of songs that were written with completely different lyrics and then i completely reproduced them and and rewrote them i'm kind of like the queen of taking old ideas and completely turning them on their heads um and production is so important as well so yeah, it's it's always it's always a wild ride. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. That's good. Now, I I wanted to ask you a little bit about Canada and um and sort of the part that maybe it plays being a Canadian and being a songwriter and just the vibe out of Toronto because obviously uh, Toronto is the place to be. I would I think in a lot of regards with regards to to current songwriters now uh, a lot of great talent is coming yeah. out of there. Talk to us about being I guess a, a part of that Toronto scene and then why you made that decision to actually move to LA. Well, it's funny that you said that, uh, like, you know, that there's such a emerging talent from Toronto right now, um, because there there is, and, like, there there was even when I was living there, but the scene that I was a part of was way more experimental and kind of indie. I think at the time I didn't even realize I was making pop music, uh, and I sort of struggled to find my place, and I, I never had a big following in Toronto. It wasn't until I moved to Los Angeles and sort of, 
you know, realized I was actually making pop music and inserted myself into that, that things um, really started to work for me. But that said, I, I really adore Toronto and all my friends there. I know some of the best musicians uh, or some of the best musicians I know in the world are in Toronto. And I'm, I'm very proud to have come from there and to have um, all those influences do you keep up to date with like some of the pop singers that are, are sort of currently happening right now at a Toronto? Because I or I shouldn't say Toronto, Canada. Like, do you sort of you know know about the Reamays of the world and the um, Scott Hellman's and like the Tyler Shaw's? Like, do you keep up with the other people that would be sort of playing uh, up against you on on Canadian radio? Um, to be perfectly honest, no, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I, I I actually don't. I don't listen to a ton of pop music um, these days. I, I I've been really, and I also don't just because I'm trying to like grow as a person and not feel um, sort of, you know, down about my success or my lack of success or whatever and, and, and not feed my ego. I don't really look at charts. I don't look at where I'm charting. I don't, I, I just try to, you know, keep music as like a, a therapeutic thing for me and um, in terms of how I make it and in terms of how I listen to it. So what I listen to is, is not usually current music. I like to listen to a lot of, old music and classical music um, these days, anyway. Can you talk to us a little bit about your, your influences, um, and do you find that they have dipped into the sound that LAX produces? Um, I mean, my main influences are, like, you know, an emotional need to express myself. Like, that's really where, where at the heart of my songwriting, that's, like, what where it comes from. Um, but, I don't know, I, I really love strong women that do pop music but are total like weirdos at the same time because I, I really relate to that and it shows me that I have a, a path. Um, and I would put like Cindy Lauper and like Kate Bush in that category. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, like someone like Bjork is amazing. She doesn't do pop music, obviously, but um, I really, I, I, lo- I also love artists that create kind of an entire uh, world just beyond the music. Like they, they kind of, create these uh, environments for the for their followers and their fans because um, I also relate to that a lot. That's really cool. And what was it like getting tweeted by Katy Perry a couple years ago saying that she really loved your song Catch? Oh, uh, that was really surreal at the time and obviously like a great way to start off my career. <laughs> it, it put me in front of a lot of eyeballs. But yeah, these days I don't think about it too much sort of because it happened a while ago um and and it's funny just living in LA like I kind of you know you like see her around and we have like mutual friends and what seems like something out of a, a dream like a, out of a really wild dream now seems just kind of more like you know just like life in, in Los Angeles um, but that was really nice of her, and, I, and I'm still very flattered. Joining us on the Kelly Alexander Show is Canadian singer-songwriter Ali X, who now uh, is based out of Los Angeles. Make sure to follow her not only on her website, which is AliX.com, but of course you can uh, check her out on Instagram as well, at AliX. Talk to us about the new album, Super Sunset. So if you can explain the name and then what you want people to take away from it. Okay, well, Super Sunset, the, the, the easiest way to sum it up is is like, it's like if I directed a Hollywood movie of my Hollywood story. So the record sort of chronicles the last four, now five years that I've been living in Los Angeles and just all the ups and downs of trying to, quote-unquote, make it in this industry and 
also, you know, falling in love. And, and instead of telling the story in, in the exact way that it happened, I sort of, you know, gave myself a few different alter egos um, that represent like the different, you know, sort of people that I feel that I've been. And I kind of just exaggerated everything and stylized it and put it into a very bright, colorful, exaggerated environment. That's very cool. With the visuals. And was it challenging to compile all the songs or like were you kind of in a zone, like in a role and, and or on a roll, I should say, and, and things just kind of flowed out of you? You know, I have to say with this record, it, it flowed out really fast. This is something that has not happened to me before, both with um, Collection 1 and Collection 2. Like, they took uh, years to make. But I think because I was directly, I was so directly writing about my experience, um, it was just really easy. And I and I think I had a lot that I needed to get off my chest. So this record was written in four months. And then, you know, it takes about another four months at least to finish the production on, on things. So all in all, I think I started in October and I finished in like May. Okay, cool. And I always like to ask this of an artist because I know that just just with regards to myself, I know how I view things should turn out or whatever. And then either I'm a happy or b not with with the end result. Uh, how, how do yeah. you how do you feel about the 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 finished project? Because I know just again with the stuff that I do, I'm like, oh, I could have maybe done that better. But are you at peace and and happy with what you've produced? Yeah, uh, I am. I I hadn't listened to it since. I finished it, um, and then it came out, and I, you know, I took a bath that night, and I put my Beats headphones on, and I, I blasted it, and I was like, wow, this is really good. <laughs> this is a nice feeling, you know, when you put so much time and energy into something. Um, I, I do feel really, really proud of it, and I think it flows really well. Like, it, it, it tells a story in the way that I, I hoped it would. That's perfect. And actually, that's a, a great lead into another question I would have, because as you and I both know, especially in, in pop world, it's a singles market. Like everybody seems to just, you know, release singles and, and you know, we get some albums, but we don't get a lot of them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your yeah. take on obviously it was important for you to do an album. Do you continue to to view that way? Do you think you'll always want to put out albums and tell complete stories, even down to the the way, like you said, like how you sequence the album? Yeah, totally. And, you know, I haven't said this in an interview yet, but um when I started the writing process for this, it was actually just, I was single, I was single minded about it. Like my team said, you know, we need new music, whatever, go to the studio. And so I started writing songs and I have to tell you, it's, it was really hard for me to think in that way. Like I'm writing a single, I want this single to do well. I want the single to be a hit, whatever. It's so much easier for me to write uh, when it comes from a conceptual body of work kind of mindset. So even though we kind of marketed and released this as singles, like most of the songs were released um, one a month for like the last six months, it was really important for me that it came together as a complete body of work. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about... um your artist career versus your songwriting career. And I know that you've done like yeah. some, some cool work with Troy Sivan, which I'll get to in just a sec, but just that specific question itself, is it hard for you to balance your time between Ali X, the performer versus Ali X, the I'm going to write for Troy Sivan? It's not hard. It, what is hard is trying to be a successful songwriter that, you know, that writes for pitch and gets songs on the radio and to be an artist that has like a flourishing career I, I, I've, I'm yet 
to really do that. Like I, uh, this year, I, I kind of put the songwriting for Pitch on on uh, in the back seat. And other than uh, Troy's album, which I was very involved in and very you know happy to be involved in, um, I I just focused on my artist uh, stuff this year. I kind of just try to follow my intuition with it and and whatever excites me uh that's what i do and and right now i just feel very inspired to to pursue um my own artist career but i imagine that it'll fluctuate as as my life goes on who knows maybe one day i'll end up just songwriting or just being an artist i'm I'm not sure when it comes to uh being ali x a performer a i want to find out too if you're going out on tour are we getting you out on tour are you going to come to canada (laughs) Well, I'm definitely coming home for the holidays, but okay. I, don't, I don't think I'll be performing other than with some friends, probably in some small little venues. But um, I definitely will be doing some touring in 2019, but okay, nothing cool. official we can announce. Okay, cool. And um, I did want to speak to you as well about your uh, LGBTQ fans, because like... Yes. When they, uh, or should I say, yas? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because you know they are so they are so like it's just awesome. If you get that family on your team, like you are good to go. You know what I mean? And so, what does the LGBTQ community mean for you? I mean, it's just it's kind of like I, I don't really have a, 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 a exact answer of, of why, but I just have always been friends uh, and really family with gay men, gay boys, like ever since I was a kid, like those have always been my best friends and the people that really seem to understand me as a person and what I do and have the same sense of humor and, you know, lift me up when other people call me a weirdo or, you know, when, like I was never a girl that like guys wanted to date, but I was always a girl that like, you know, my gay friends wanted to celebrate and um, it's really sort of carved who I am. And so I think that just naturally, because that's in me, the music that I make uh, resonates with that community and I couldn't be happier. It's just, it's, it's, it's who I I want to be my fan base. I mean, anyone's welcome to be my fan (laughs) during the club, but, um, but yeah, like it, 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 it makes total sense to me and it's, and it's a very comfortable place for me. That's cool. I actually interviewed um, dance artist Cece Peniston. You know, I've, I've had her on the show a couple of times. And, and she actually said to me once, she said her gay fans are like her best girlfriends. That's how she views them. I thought yeah. that was a good way. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um, totally. I did want to ask you to, to go back to Troy for just a second. Obviously, um, you know, I was yeah. checking out the writing credits and you are on, on a bunch of his songs, including, you know, the big one with 17 off, off the album. First of all, Bloom is doing, you know, amazingly well. I actually just saw Troy. He was in Montreal not yeah. long ago. Yeah, he was so good. And I, I just want to ask you, you know, being a songwriter on that album, first of all, tell us how that came about. And also, I'm assuming your phone is ringing a lot, maybe to co-write, even though I know you're focusing on being an artist right now. But I'm sure that that... <laughs> just totally padded the resume, right? Yeah, the uh, writing with Troy has been a really great thing for me. It's 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 definitely, you know, made my publishers happy and and because his work is so highly regarded. Even if Troy isn't, you know, he's I I wouldn't say that he's a huge radio artist, but he's a huge culture artist and he is uh, really impacted like the millennial generation and I just can't say enough good good things about him he's one of the best like he's probably one of the most famous people that I'm friends with and he's also one of the most lovely compassionate caring people that I'm friends with um and you can't always say that about you know <laughs> celebrities true um, so yeah I, I I'm just I'm very 
proud of the record and of him and, and so happy to um, have taken part in it. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations, because the album is just amazing. And, and all the songs that you're that I saw that you were on are, are fantastic. So good job. Thank you. Before I let you go, I did want to ask you, um, uh, you know, if there is someone that you would love to either A, collaborate with vocally uh, or write with them or for, for your own music or, or on an album for them. Like, is there someone out there that is like on your bucket list? Yeah, lo- lots of people. I, I really feel like collaborating with girls these days. Um, I'm hoping to get in the studio with like Tovlo, um, Dua Lipa, Charlie XCX, um, you know, just kind of like some pop girls that I really like and respect. Those would all be on my list. Perfect. And do you have any advice for, because again, I, I couldn't be prouder of you just, you know, coming out of Canada and going down there and, and doing what you need to do in Los Angeles. And, and uh, it just makes me super proud, especially, you know, playing your songs on the radio. It's, it's great. And what would you say to, you know, like a young Canadian maybe who, who wants to kind of do what you've been doing? Like what, what's your biggest piece of advice for them? Oh, man. If they want to do pop... I don't know, this is going to be a controversial thing to say, but I, I did feel that I, I needed to kind of get get to L.A. to make it happen. But that said, Canada is such a young country, and, and everything is kind of changing there. And it's so important that we foster Canadian talent and that we support it, not only when it becomes successful internationally. And um, it's something that, you know, I had always heard discussed as I was coming up uh, as a musician and, and trying to break through. And I, I felt kind of sad that it was true that when I went to L.A., like that's kind of when things started to happen. So I don't want to advise young people to, to leave Canada. What I would like to advise people in general in Canada do, to do is really support your Canadians while they're in Canada. Don't Don't wait for them to have international success before you know, really standing behind them as like stars. So sorry, I think I strayed away from your question a little bit, but I, I, I feel the need to say that. That's perfect. And do you think you'll ever move back to Canada or do you think we've lost you? Oh God, I want to come back. I, I, I miss it. I love coming back to Canada these days. Like it's just, it's literally a breath of fresh air. <laughs> it's not polluted. Um, it, but it's, it's, it's unpolluted in so many ways. And you know, I really appreciate like our healthcare system now and our politics and just our our modesty and our compassion. Um, it's a really wonderful country, and I'm I'm so proud to be Canadian. And I and I do hope to come back. Awesome. Um, and base myself at least half the time there one day. Okay, great. And you have a an open invitation from me to come to Montreal to hang out. Cool. We can go have Putin or something. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, I send you the biggest hug. Thank you so much for doing this, and I'm so proud of you, and keep up the great work with the new album. Thank you so much for having me. Great interview. That's Canadian singer-songwriter Ali X. Make sure to follow her on her website, AliX.com, and of course on Instagram, at AliX. And now we're happy to bring in the big gun, as it were, our music editor, Sharon Hyland. <laughs> Did you love that one? Did you love that one? <laughs> Is that a big gun? Are you just glad to see me? <laughs> uh, so this week we are chatting about the return of the Spice Girls. Well, most of them. Uh, it was recently announced that all the girls, minus Victoria Beckham, a.k.a. Posh Spice, is going to be uh, reuniting for a series of concerts in the UK this coming summer. Now, there's uh, lots to discuss regarding our favorite girl power group. And Sharon, we'll start with uh, probably the most important question. Can they do this reuni- reunion and be successful without Victoria? Without a doubt. 
<laughs> Point. Do you want a minute to think about yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> so without a doubt. I they're... totally think that they can do that for sure. Okay, cool. And, 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 yeah, and no offense, really, because um, have they not done it before as a foursome? Yes, without Jerry. Yeah. So um, I think it's all uh, personalities at that point. They all bring something different to the table, uh, literally, uh, but especially vocally. And uh, I think that the video that they posted the other day, um, where they were cracking into the four-part harmony, proved just that. So I think it'll be something that uh, that we girl power fans can look forward to. Did you uh, hear the statement that Victoria put out, which I thought was really good and classy? She said, being in the Spice Girls was a hugely important part of my life, and I wish my girls so much love and fun as they go back out on tour. I know they're going to put on an amazing show, and the fantastic fans, past and present, are going to have a wonderful time. Uh, class act for sure. And I, I, I joke all the time about how she brought one dance move to the table. Um, and it's a joke. Clearly the Spice Girls are what they are and who they are because they were five. Um, but if she can't make it, she can't make it and way to send them off in a positive, uh, on a positive note. Did you hear that Mel B kind of took a, a swipe at Victoria on Halloween? I did, and what I don't understand, uh, and maybe I'm just not digging too much into the um, the rumor mill or digging too hard, is uh, I didn't realize that there was any sort of a rift between them to begin with. Yeah, well, that's why I was shocked, because she said uh, that, you know, well, so, so the, for people who don't know, on Halloween, Mel B dressed up as uh, Victoria and with a sign saying, mm-hmm. I'm not going on tour. And then she had somebody with her, a friend of hers, dressed up as Beckham, like her husband, in a soccer jersey, basically saying, please, like something like, do it for the fans. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, then further to that, uh, I guess Mel was asked about it, and she said, yeah, I think Victoria probably got a laugh at it. But then she goes, we kind of have this love-hate relationship, which, as you just mentioned, Sharon, I'm, like, shocked about, because I never thought that, like, never in a million years. Especially, they were all at each other's places earlier in the year, so... I don't know, Mel, I guess, sometimes yeah. goes, goes a little off the rails. And I was surprised that she would say that out loud because none of us would ever know this if she hadn't said it, you know? Well, and then it's funny, too, because I think she's known for just blurting that stuff, too. And when you really uh, try to dissect the the meaning of a love-hate relationship, it sounds fairly extreme. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we might be thinking too much about it, but maybe we're not. Yeah. Maybe they love to hate each other. <laughs> Or they hate to love each other. (laughs) Could be that too. And it's funny how you say blurt things out because um, as of this announcement, it was only supposed to be confirmed, you know, the six shows in the UK this coming summer. But then in another interview, Mel said, oh no, we're going on a world tour or something to that effect. So Mm -hmm. even though no dates have been confirmed, it sounds like they're using this uh, or these six dates as a barometer to see fan interest, I guess. Yeah, without yeah, I would uh, I would say for sure that's the case. And even to consider that, it's uh, I think that it takes a lot to put a tour together. Um, and I I would bet that they know that there's going to be more past the six. Oh, I I, they, I can't see how they wouldn't, especially because uh, earlier today I, or last night, sorry, I read that they are are standing to make about uh, three or over three million each for the six shows. <laughs> So I can't see wow. them not doing it. And uh, Emma Bunton, as a radio host, is likely not making that. Yeah. <laughs> we know that, Cal. 
Ah, <laughs> oh, she's such a stellar radio host. Um, I wanted to ask you too. Uh, you know, Girl Power was their main platform back in the '90s, uh, along with you know their crafty pop music. Do you think with the current social and political climate that Girl Power, uh, that motto is going to resonate even more these days with their fans and their new fans? I think what they uh, they bring to the table certainly is uh, is uh, a reminder. Not that they invented girl power, but that they certainly uh, created a huge splash when they uh, when they happened upon the scene at the time, and uh, the unabashed reminder that uh, that it's important more than ever. And I think with each cycle, with each generation, it becomes um, uh, an important reminder. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it needs to be uh, put out there again. Little post-it note. And should they stick to performing their hits, or do you think, along with these shows, they should record new music? Um, I'm pretty sure that if they're pretty sure, like as if I know anything for sure, <laughs> my <laughs> guess would be that if there is new music, um, I don't even know if there would be new music. You know what I mean? I think that they can really ride on the hits. People love the hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched a couple of interviews, uh, sort of street interviews with some random people that were like, yeah, my mom grew up with them. It's kind of new music to me. So they don't even necessarily need to make new music if uh, it can be new to somebody else. Right. Mm-hmm. And and is it risky to to consider making new music if if it's just four of them going on tour? The fifth one's not coming to a tour. Is she is she open to scheduling studio time? I mean, that's a whole other. I think it's a whole other can of worms. Yeah, exactly. And there's rumors that she might do a couple of dates. Uh, but the fact that she's not doing any UK dates already says to me that she's probably not going to do anything else. So, so, well, yeah. if, she can't, if she can't go down the street, she's not going across the pond, as you like to exactly. say. Exactly. So. And uh, lastly, <laughs> I didn't know if you saw this, but I wanted to bring it up. Did you see the um, Instagram post that Adele put up about the Spice Girls? Oh, I didn't. What is it? Uh, so, what's, what's happening? Yeah, so she, because she doesn't post all the time. So when she posts, it's pretty cool. And so Adele posted this picture of herself as a kid, I want to say she was like nine or 10 or something like that, um, surrounded by Spice Girls photos in what appears to be her bedroom. And I think she's like sucking on a lollipop or something. And so she <laughs> said something to the effect of like, I'm so ready for this or something like that. So, Oh, cool. Love Adele. Talk about a, talk about a shout out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think that's fantastic. So uh, Sharon, thank you for this. Appreciate it. Kelly, it's my pleasure. I hope you have a great day. Fantastic. We'll do our best. That is our music. And spice up your life. <laughs> That's how we roll. That is our music <laughs> editor, Sharon Highland. You can listen to Sharon and I, by the way, host our very own podcast, 90s Now, where we give you all the fixins of 90s and now. You can find us on 90snow.com or, of course, on Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, and now Spotify. The Kelly Alexander Show, bringing you fresh sounds like this. Reach out and touch You're asking yourself right now, is that really Depeche Mode? Actually, it's Def Leppard and their take on Depeche Mode's hit song, Personal Jesus. This is their first official single from their upcoming brand new hits package called The Story So Far, The Best of Def Leppard. And I'll tell you, not a lot of people should attempt to remake a Depeche Mode song, but I think they've actually pulled it off. And we shall see, by the way, if Def Leppard make it into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2019. They are currently on the short list of nominees and we'll have the answer to all of this in December. One taught me love, one taught me patience, and one taught me pain. Now I'm so amazing to have loved and I've
Ariana Grande had a big surprise for all her fans last Saturday. She announced she was dropping a new single just before midnight, and social media blew up with the news, especially when rumors began circulating that the song would be about her past loves, including her most recent ex, Pete Davidson. And sure enough, the song did name check a bunch of her exes, but all in a good way. And I have to tell you, I have totally fallen in love with this song. It's got a super catchy melody, and she's getting a lot of positive reviews. Ariana, by the way, heading out on tour to support her latest album, Sweetener, and there's also rumors that she might be working on more new music. Oh, the outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. English artist Jessie J, who is usually known for her slamming pop tunes like Price Tag, Bang Bang, Domino, and Do It Like a Dude, has recently released her first ever holiday album called This Christmas Day. The album was actually recorded in just two weeks with Jessie flying back and forth between Los Angeles and Europe during her summer tour trying to get everything done. And she worked with some legendary producers on this Christmas album, including Babyface, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, and David Foster. Jessie also has some duets on the album with Grammy Award winning group Boys to Men and Babyface. New music on The Kelly Alexander Show. Thanks so much for spending time with us on the show. And don't forget, you can follow us on all of our social media by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. Now, recently, I had a chance to sit down in person and catch up with a friend of mine, artist Dion Todd, who is making his triumphant return to the music industry with a brand new song and album on the way. The Kelly Alexander Show. We are very excited to welcome to the Kelly Alexander Show somebody I used to know when I was in university, and so this is a huge treat to have him on the show now that he's back in the world of music. So, a dance pop artist, Dion Todd, welcome to the Kelly Alexander Show. Thank you. Okay. This is crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. How is it that you look identical? Let's keep that up. Yeah, but I still I know, look right? the same well, as when too, I was right? in university. Yeah. <laughs> um, so well, yeah, so we met when I was like 19 yeah. or whatever. And then we're probably around the same age. I can't believe how fast time Time flies. has flown. Yeah. So we were both like uh, working with the same music producer yep. uh, during my attempt to be an artist. Getting our start. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and so you had this amazing song that took off at the, at the time called Maybe that like charted across the country and lots of support in Canada. And then, um, which we're going to talk about actually. So I'm going to start though I'm gonna bring you back to your childhood did you know as a kid that you wanted to be in music or how did that all start because we yeah. never had that conversation when you and I were buds. yeah no we didn't yeah for sure I mean I've always kind of been I guess musical throughout my life but um, when I was nine years old I was in a boys choir actually in Ontario they're like a world-renowned boys choir called the Cambridge Kiwanis Boys Choir and um, so I actually my first commercial recording I was 12 I had like a solo on this Christmas album for the choir and we toured Europe a little bit and you know i was kind of like the center of attention like this little boy soprano and then my voice changed Mm -hmm. and they basically kicked me out of the choir because of course i was not sounding (laughs) like you're 11 or 12 anymore anymore. so i was devastated so then i actually stopped singing for a while because i was like well you know when you're 12 years old that's pretty hard to deal with when you're kind of at the top of your game and doing recordings and all of a sudden you're nothing so then I started playing instruments for a while okay and then I didn't get back into it um, till I was about 18 I met something called karaoke <laughs> <laughs> oh, karaoke love the karaoke and the addiction began <laughs> yeah, there you go so talk to us about because we're going to sp- speak about the new music that's out um, I know Remedy for Insanity is the, the new single so we're going to get to that in a sec but how did your hit song maybe come about like did you have an idea for that like how did was it hard to write I think you said you co-wrote it with your mom 
Um, actually, that was the second. The uh, second song. One. Yeah. Um, so when I started going to karaoke, I was in a competition um, that I won, and actually uh, the famous Canadian country singer, maybe most people haven't heard of her, but Carol Baker, um, like came up after the competition. She's like, wow, you have a really good voice and you know, you should like pursue something. I'm like, well, you know, how do I do that? She's like, well, you should write music, you know? Um, so that just kind of planted the seeds. So I just started like playing around with, um, writing some different music and, um, you know, maybe the lyrics and kind of the melody for, uh, maybe was, you know, just keeping it simple but one of the earlier songs that I uh, was experimenting with so um, and then you know started the path of trying to find a producer and studios and that's of course how I met you mm -hmm. back then and um, you know the song just kind of evolved from there it okay. took maybe two or three different producers to work with and then just kind of you know kept bringing it up a, a level and got better and better now, when the song took off, because it did, and like we said, um, many people were very excited about that track, and it did well, it charted well. Did you know that that song was going to go? Like, did you have a gut feeling that it was going to go? No, I actually was kind of like laughing at the time. Cause oh, I really? Thought, well, because, you know, I'm like playing these songs for, you know, this this other guy in the music industry, you know, and I'm embarrassed of them, right? Because I'm like, oh, this is like cheesy stuff. You know, he's going to laugh and like, you know, it's playing this music. And then he's like, wow, this song's really good. You should do something with it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, to me, that was like the most you know maybe baby i love you maybe baby i yeah. mean you listen to the lyrics they are yeah. kind of i mean they're catchy but yeah, they're you know, totally catchy to me they're corny yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, we all have but, those you know that sells right it's easy to remember exactly it's catchy um so yeah so i was shocked i was completely shocked even to the like the, for a while like it would come on the radio and i would like turn it off because i couldn't listen to it because i'm like i don't even like my own music i'm like how do other people like this so much i guess i'm not a good judge of character for what does well or what doesn't do well. and how did the ride go because obviously it was crazy for several months or, or over a year i can't remember at the time but did uh like were you able to enjoy it or were you was it like a whirlwind it was pretty yeah i mean it happened so fast like it i mean for a period it was like almost surreal because i mean it you know literally you know overnight was on one of the biggest uh you know dance compilations in the country like mm -hmm. uh, one of mc mario's biggest uh, compilations and then radio stations like pretty much picked it up immediately so it wasn't even like you know i want you know like a lot of times maybe things are kind of slower you know yeah. and you kind of have the time for it to take off so it was really unexpected for me because even back then when i was doing music i wasn't doing it thinking oh i want to have a career in music so i'm going to release song and be a pop star yeah. for me it was more like doing it on the side being fun so i wasn't ready for it to be like that big that quickly mm -hmm. and um but yeah it was fun i mean i said even now when i look back at shows and stuff when i see myself perform like i was so unprepared like i look like this awkward you know sheep standing on stage like trying to you know like dance or you know i just i, I can't even watch myself because i look so awkward because i wasn't prepared like i hadn't practiced performing mm -hmm. and you know i didn't have anyone helping me with stage presence or anything so i was just kind of like thrown into it like and uh, you know i dealt with it but i mean when i look back yeah it's hard for me to uh, hard for me to, to look, look back at, at what's yeah. yeah that's how i feel too sometimes i'm like why did i choose to wear that yeah <laughs> with the, you know the backstreet boys hair you know <laughs> yeah. i don't know wearing clothes yeah, yeah it, was, it was hilarious so maybe came out and then magic that's the one you caught with your mom yeah my mother caught so how did like did you feel like you had pressure to to remain you know like because maybe had done so well like did you have that sophomore pressure I, yeah you know it's really hard when you're releasing singles because you know you're only as good as your last single mm -hmm. so and and, and I mean, there's so much 
um, you can have one hit, and then if the next song is not as good, like you're done. Like they just basically move on to the next thing. So yeah, there was a lot of pressure. Um, and you know, when Magic came out, the producers made it similar to Cher's song, believe because that it was that really sound, popular yeah. and yeah. the sound. And uh, Magic actually crossed into the U.S. a bit too, so it ended up on some uh, dance charts down there. So Magic, I'd say, did equally to Maybe, but different because it's weird because a lot of the stations that played Maybe didn't necessarily embrace magic but then the stations that didn't embrace maybe played magic so i had at one point i had you know maybe on radios in some cities and then magic on others so i depending on what city i went to people knew me for a different song which was kind of weird okay it was like these pockets of uh you know the popularity for the songs so when you decided to come back um Mm -hmm. after you put that album out did you take another break for a while before you I did. So, you know, I, 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 you know, basically, I guess you could say building a business empire. I worked my way up through business. Actually, I was in the corporate world for a while. I was actually a regional director of operations for a division of Air Transat for a number of years. So I oversaw all of Western Canada for like travel agencies and um, sales distribution for Transat. And then I decided to start my own companies, um, left Transat and, you know, built some companies that, that, that have done quite well. Um, I went to school. Mm-hmm. I uh, went to uh, MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and got an MBA. I think part of the whole reason for that, too, is I was still kind of traumatized from being 12 years old and losing my voice. And, whoa, what happens the now? Right? So I think that always stuck in my head that, well, I need a backup. So if music never works out or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, I have another focus or I have other things. Well, MBA is a pretty good backup. That's a pretty good backup. So, so yeah. actually, last year I was at MBA and, or, uh, or at MIT rather, doing my MBA. And we had kind of our final projects. And one of my final projects was working for a local charity there. It's called the Freedom Clinic, which is a, uh, a clinic that um, provides services to uh, human traffic victims. Okay. And they were looking at creative ways of bringing awareness to the charity and, you know, raising money because, of course, grants and things like that have mm-hmm. been cut down. So I had the idea, well, let, why don't we do a song? I'll do a song. And that was kind of my, not that I was expecting to get back into music, but I thought, okay, you know what, I, I can, you know, I can write a song. I can get some donations from, you know, classmates and from the school and get the community yeah. involved. So we chose a song that me and my mother had written. Um and you know drawing on experiences that i actually spent in a shelter as a child for you know uh, families of abuse yeah and worked also with um someone that i became friends with her name is tiffany fred she's a writer and singer in the u.s she's a grammy award winner she worked on jennifer hudson's album okay so we wrote this song and um just through some contacts you know uh worked with a grammy award-winning producer and um, released the song never really expected because it was again it was all the proceeds I from the song went to the charity mm-hmm. so I didn't, wasn't releasing it to you know thinking oh I'm going to get back into the music industry yeah. I'm going to do this to, to help the to help the nonprofit. yeah and um, we we released the song and um, it actually blew my expectations to how well it did and I mean you know with very little um, effort or you know or promotion or anything behind it you know it landed on some charts actually won a, a radio station in New Brunswick you know charted at number one it wow. hit number 22 on the ADISQ you know radio chart so it defied my expectations and how well it did yeah and then that's what got me kind of I'm the like hmm, you know this is I missed this yeah. you know I realized how much I missed it because yeah. at that point you know I'd been out of it for 12 years 
Um, so then I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this again. I mean, I'm, I'm at a position in my life now where I have, you know, I, I have the ability to do it without having, you know, to financial worry stress about. or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. Um, because I mean, you know, anyone that's in the music industry these days, whether you're an independent artist, unless you're a huge artist, like a Taylor Swift, I mean, it's, it, it, it's difficult, you know, because of YouTube and, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, gone are the days of, you know, the, the uh, big royalties you'd get yep. for songs playing on. I mean, now it's like it streams on Spotify and you get point zero 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 nine cents per stream. So, That's right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you have to do it because you have a love of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I thought, you know what the heck with it? I'm going to write a new album and release some new music. And, you know, now I'm in a position where I can work with, you know, some really high caliber people that kind of had always sort of dreamt about working with, but yeah. never had the opportunity. And uh, that led me to, um, you know, uh, releasing this uh, new song that just came out a few days ago. So let's talk about that. So Remedy yeah. for Insanity. Uh, yeah. When? So where? Like, did you write it earlier this year? Or you've already had it. Um, so I, I wrote it. Uh, actually, I wrote that song about ten years ago. Okay. But I wasn't happy with it, so I actually decided to enlist the help of Tiffany Fred again. Uh, incredible writer. So I gave it to her and I said, you know, here, Tiffany, take it, and you know, you work with it and see if you can flesh it out or whatever yeah, yeah get it better and it's only been recently that i've found that working with co-writers it's almost like when you have an outside perspective they can do things that are better matched to your voice than you can because i think of a lot of the songs now that i've co-written and i i love them more than like when i did them myself so yeah. i'm not sure why but so um co-wrote it with tiffany we use the same producer that i used uh for rocket ship state of mind he's a uh, Grammy Award winner uh, for a uh, song he uh, remixed for Kylie Minogue. Okay. And um, yeah, and different sound. So it, I think it took me a while uh, to get around that music has changed. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it it's, uh, and evolves. Yeah. And, you know, that's hard when you're in the music industry because sometimes you're so tied to your craft or to your art you know, you forget, okay, what does the public want? Okay, I know what I want and what I like but if you actually want to have a business of it and make money at it Mm -hmm. you have to think in business terms as far as okay well no you need to give a product that you know people will actually want to buy not that's just going to go out and kind of get lost through the shuffle so it's interesting now kind of coming back into music and having all the business expertise and the business education that i have because it's that's probably about 80 to 90 percent of my time now is more on the business oh for sure actually on the music side yeah um but yeah I, i i love the song um it's you know the 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 feedback's been tremendous how would you categorize yourself now like artistically like dance pop like how do you like how would dance you dance pop yeah, yeah. Okay. i think you know when i first started in music i was basically writing sappy love ballads but there wasn't really a huge market for sappy love ballads you know there was a celine dion there was a michael buble but there was a market for dance music mm-hmm. so a lot of my songs were sappy love ballads that we just basically put to a dance beat and at first i didn't really like that but the more time went by i you know i started I, I loved it, mm-hmm. you know, and now I'm like, you know, when I write a song now, I write it as a dance song. I have some stuff on my album that won't be, you know, as, as dancey uh, uh, as most of it, but m- just about every song I have will have a remix. And when can we expect the album? Like, do you have a release um, date? Early 2019. Okay. So, yeah. Are you done recording or are you still finishing things uh, up? I'm pretty, I have, uh, I think there will be 13 tracks on the album and I've finished 11. Okay. The other two are um, almost done. So pretty much everything we, uh, everything we have done, Rem- Remedy for Insanity was kind of the, you know, the lead off song to that. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's doing really well. It was released on Tuesday and I think on Tuesday it hit number 18 on the iTunes top 200 and it's, 
been in the top 200 since so hopefully it'll it'll um, stay strong and we're getting a lot of uh, a lot of positive feedback so when so. you were writing the album like did you write it in a way or I know you're still finishing it off but did you have um, plans like you like you knew that maybe Remedy was going to be the first single like do you have a plan for like your next three or four singles to release off of it I or? think yeah we have a pretty good idea I okay. think you know and, and again for me it's interesting because I, I'm out of that artist mode now and I'm more in business mode right which you know makes a huge a huge huge difference i mean mm -hmm. i'm already seeing a huge difference now compared to when i released the song last year that i did for the charity i wasn't in business mode you know i was going to the producer and instead of you know uh, letting a grammy award-winning producer take the song and do whatever he thought was going to be best i was telling him what to do right you know and which made the song sound dated because i'm still you know doing a song like i you know like i would have done you know 10 or yeah or uh, you know 20 god dare I say 20 years ago but, <laughs> but so you know this time around I was like wait a minute I got to get out of that mind frame because that mm. you know that song could have did a lot better had I not confined the producer to a style that really was was outdated yeah um so whereas with remedy for insanity I gave it to him and said here just do uh do whatever you want so a lot of the songs that are on the album are songs I've written previously okay but most of them I took them and gave them to co-writers so Aside from Tiffany Fred, there's a couple of other girls that I work with. Uh, uh, one is Maya Marie. She was actually one of the backup singers for Britney Spears and has done co-writing for Britney Spears. Amazing. Um, and Krista Youngs. She's you know these guys have, these girls have worked with Christina Aguilera. Um, I mean, pretty much every major artist. Another song that I have coming out shortly um, was written uh, by Lyrica Anderson, and she's. Pretty much, if you look at Chris Brown's albums, she's a lot of the songs on Chris Brown's album. She's written Beyonce, okay. uh, Jason Derulo. So the writers, the co-writers that I've been working with are the highest of caliber. I knew I had to enlist that, mm -hmm. you know, to basically take my songs to a different level because I recognize that I was kind of locked in a little bit of a time warp, you know, that nostalgic, oh, mm -hmm. I want the sound to be, you know, like it used to be, but yeah. then I have to put my business hat on and think, well, wait a minute, that's not going to sell, right? If right. I really want to do this as a business, yeah. you know, I have to think that get way. with the times. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally get that. And I did want to ask you too, um, because it, it does seem like these days or the last five, six years anyways, that it's a singles market. Yeah. So what led you to actually do an album? Because a lot of artists won't do an album. I'm, I'm glad you did because I think albums are still really important to tell a story and all that kind of stuff. But like knowing that it's usually a singles market, what led you to actually do the 13 tracks? Well, I think because again, for me, it's sort of like a combination of both. And you, you had a good point. It's like telling a story. So the songs that I have that are going on the album, like they all sort of tell, because just about every song I write, I write from personal experience. Right. And for people to really know me, they kind of have to listen to every song. And if they listen to every song, it's like each song is a chapter, right? And I think that's a good way of people sort of to kind of get to know me. And I think the other thing too is that you know, I have so many other songs written that won't be on this album that like, I don't expect obviously every song that's on the album to be a single, but there's so much other music that I need to get out. If I just do singles, I'm going to be, you know, 150 years old before I get everything out. So I'm going to have to you know, start lumping together some of the songs. Um, Cause that's probably the important part for me mm -hmm. now is like sharing, you know, your story. Yeah. And, 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 you know, being able to emotionally move people. I mean, even now, you know, I hear people, you know, that'll say, oh, well, you know, maybe was our wedding song. Okay. And this, this dude, he's like, yeah, maybe was our wedding song. Okay. 
the lyrics maybe baby I love you maybe baby I don't that was your wedding song like <laughs> but you know you realize how much you you I've emotionally moved people or people that mm-hmm. you know have attached themselves to a, a particular song because they can relate to my music even though I'm dance music I'm not like what a lot of people would categorize as dance music which is maybe you know very repetitive lyrics and they don't really tell a story and mm-hmm. it's more the sound my songs are actually like fully structured you know like little mini movies i guess basically so um so it's a little different than you know a, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that's out there um so yeah joining us on the kelly alexander show by the way pop dance or dance pop artist i should say dion todd you could check out his website dion todd.com to uh, grab all of his uh, social media handles um i did want to ask you because you said you 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 upped your game with regards to co-writers now is there a co-writer out there that you would love to work with that you'd like to put out into the universe right now you yay didn't we always talk about doing <laughs> that's something? true that'd be yes, awesome we totally should that'd be awesome um i, yeah, I like working with uh, for me it's not so much about the name it's about you know someone's talent mm-hmm. and, you know how you how you jive together because, right. i mean i've worked with people that you know you work with them because of who they are and you get nowhere right and i think co-writing is like one of those things it's like dating you it's know? true you, yeah you know you 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 have to have not a, have everyone a chemistry. you're gonna have a good date with that's yeah. right it's true uh, did you um I want to ask you because I to get your opinion on this because you know you and I both did dance music and, and you're still doing dance music. I remember having asking this of Crystal Waters once. I feel like back in the day, dance got a lot of a bad rap, like you said, with, with some of the music that was out there where the lyrics sucked. Yeah. And it was really for the beat and the chord progression, so yeah. people at the club could dance. But then, like for example, I will use Crystal as an example because if you listen to her Storyteller album from 1994 those songs like she writes songs like they're yeah. amazingly well-written songs She's like and gypsy woman her big yeah. song is yeah. written about a homeless person you yeah. know and people don't know they're like dancing yeah. and they, but it's about this homeless person so I, I i always would hate when um you'd get comments oh like dance is crap yeah and it's like only rock and roll got you know yeah. the street cred yeah. and so now i feel like it's in a better place but do you still find that we're kind of like the dirty secret in a way like I think so. You know, I think one of the other, you know, stigmas that's been on the dance industry is a lot of the music is overproduced. So, you know, you have a lot of artists that if they ever, if they tried to recreate how they sound on a recording on stage, they wouldn't even sound close because their voice has been processed. So processed. And that's what I try to do. Like, even when I'm recording, I tell the producers not to overproduce because when I sing live, I want to sound the same. Like, I want to be like Celine Dion. When people come to your concert, they're like, wow, I could close my eyes and I feel like I'm listening to your recording. Um, and, you know, I think there's more of that coming in now because, you know, you listen to a lot of music that's on the radio. There's certainly a lot more dance music than you used to hear, but it's more almost like mainstream pop made into dance songs. So mm-hmm. the songs are telling more of a story, you know, they're not, you know, I mean, back when dance music, you know, in the early 90s, remember, you know, it's like the Euro beats, right? But then, mm-hmm. you know, a, 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 a repetitive female vocal with then like a rap in the middle, you know, and it was like the same thing over and over again. And everything was over processed. So no one could sing anything live. Um, I think now it's become more almost like a more of a mainstream dance. Yep. So it's definitely evolved Mm -hmm. um and um you know becoming a lot more popular i think there's still you know still some room to grow and uh some you know um but i mean you know music industry is always evolving so uh who are you listening to these days wow um so my music tastes are 
really eclectic and I think it's just because of my creative side and I, I you know like sometimes I'll listen to opera sometimes I'll listen to pop sometimes I'll listen to rap I have one friend don't judge me but actually introduced me to like black metal and death metal and I was like you know more for like the sounds and stuff but it was actually really interesting mm. so you know I, I like to listen to different types of music because I kind of draw on um inspiration sometimes for like even if it's one small thing that i might pick up i think oh that'd be kind of really cool you know to uh um to throw into a song i do tend to fo- uh as far as what my likeness is it does tend to be geared more towards top 40 dance pop because that's what i do and it's you know it's what i like mm-hmm. um i have a lot of respect for artists that write their own music or do their own production um so you know people like lady gaga um you know, I, I don't tend to focus too much on artists that are more like manufactured, you know, where they're just the voice on yep. the CD. Mm-hmm. To me, you know, there's a lot of people out there. I mean, you go to YouTube, you see millions of singers that have amazing voices. Any one of them could be famous if they were at the right place at the right time. It takes a different caliber of a person to write their own music and produce their own music. To me, that's um, that's talent. And before I let you go, what do you see? Like, cause I, and now that you're Mr. Like MBA guy, um, <laughs> do you have like specific goals to kind of mapped out, let's say for the next year? Cause I know like, obviously your brain is working on a business way, but then there's the artistic part of you. So is there, is there certain milestones you want to accomplish like in the yeah, next six you months? Know, one of the main reasons for me getting back into music is to create a platform so that I can, um, promote some of the other co- like human trafficking, domestic abuse, um, one thing that's very vivid in my memory was when I was when I was at the top of my game with Maybe and Magic. Um, I was in Canada. I actually went to some shelters, like for abused families, and would talk to kids. And the way their faces would light up, you know. And when I could say, you know, what I was in your place, you know, once, and they're like, wow, okay, so we can be a pop star, we can be anything. It was just like they come to life, right? no amount of money can have that kind of an influence on a child you know so i you know i have you know money from my businesses and things like but there's only so much that i can do to influence with money with a child it's like you know when you're famous or when you're you know a celebrity they will listen to you they will believe you they will follow you it's like you know you look at some even some of the weird celebrities that are out there now and the followings and stuff they like the kardashians or whatever right like yeah. people people are engaged right and they're not engaged because you know they wouldn't be engaged if they were just wealthy people with no tv show so for me the music is more about creating a platform to and definitely there's a greater plan i think right now the first step is you know with with this first single which is going extremely well you know to start building my exposure and getting back up there rocket ship state of mind last year the single i released was more of a test you know with the that's what kind of got my mind turning but i hadn't really planned on at that point doing anything you know um more substantial uh, yeah and it took me a year because I was, you know, my promoter was like, you know, let's get a new song. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. You know, and then I'm like, dang, yeah, okay, I got to do this. I got to go all in. So, yeah. So it's about creating a platform so that I can have more of a voice for um, some of the causes that are really important to me. And, um, yeah. 
Awesome. Well, you're welcome back on the show anytime. Thank you so much. And it's been amazing. I'm so happy to see you. You look fantastic. And like, we both feel like we are still 20. So that's good. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so, uh, so make sure to check out Dion's music. Of course, the new single is Remedy uh, uh, for Insanity. And you can grab all of the information, of course, on his website, DionTodd.com. The Kelly Alexander Show. We really appreciate you spending time with us on the program this week. And we'd also like to give a special shout out to our guests, Ali X and Dion Todd, not to mention our super producer, Adam Brisson, for pushing all the right buttons. Don't forget that you can listen to us on many different platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. And don't forget you can hit us up on our website, kellyalexandershow.com, and grab all our social media handles. Have an excellent week. You and I'll chat soon.